It's good to be in God's house today. Amen. Thank God for His goodness, His mercy, and His grace. You have your Bibles with you. Turn to the book of Acts, chapter 27. Acts 27. If you don't have a Bible, you can look in the pew in front of you. And you should have one there uh, right with the hymn book. It'll be a King James Bible. Praise God, I think we've got King James hymn books. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Acts chapter number 27 and verse 27. If you have your place, say amen. amen. If you don't, say oh me. We're waiting. <laughs> amen. Let me do encourage you all to stay over and eat with us afterwards, okay? We'll have a good time in the Lord today. But now's the most important part of the service. Out of the eating, the singing, and the fellowship comes the Word of God. Acts chapter 27 and verse 27. It sure is a good sound of the pages of those Bibles turning. Let's stand together for the reverence of the reading of God's Word in prayer for the message today. Acts chapter 27 and verse 27. But when the fourteenth night was come, as we were driven up and down in Adria, about midnight the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country, and sounded and found it twenty fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it fifteen fathoms. Let us pray together. Father, Lord, in Jesus' name, it's been good to be in your house. I pray you add your blessing to the reading of your word. I pray that you would convict the heart of sinners that may be in our presence today. Lord, I pray that you would move upon the heart of each and every individual that is in the sound of our voice. Lord, I pray that you would bless us all today from the reading of your word. In Jesus' name, we do humbly pray. Help us to preach. Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. I got to read in this verse of Scripture and looked at that word sounded in verse 28. And then I started reading about the 20 fathoms and the 15 fathoms. And of course, Paul being a a seaman of sort, he probably spent more of his time on the sea than he did on land. That word sounding was a nautical term. They would actually tie a a rope to an anchor. And after so many fathoms, they would tie a piece of leather. And after a particular number, whether it be 15 fathoms or 20 fathoms, they would change colors of those pieces of leather to where they could actually know how deep the water was and where their ship sailed. They would drop that anchor and... Of course, here in the Bible, they sounded off and the, the member said 20 fathoms. In other words, there was 20 fathoms before they reached shore or they were 20 fathoms deep in the water. A fathom was basically an arm's length is what they're speaking of as a fathom in the Bible days. And then they got a little closer to shore and they sounded again and 
It ended up being 15 fathoms. And they needed to know this information because if they didn't, they would end up uh, a shipwrecking on shore and causing a lot of damage to the boat. And they didn't want to do that. But as they got closer to the shore, I started thinking about our spiritual walk with Christ getting closer to heaven. I started thinking about getting nearer the shore. And as we near our heavenly shore, I assure you that there'll be at least three things that we're guaranteed to face in our life. But you got to get to the shore. But before you get to the shore, you're going to face some storms. There's going to be some storms in your life that you figured that would never, ever come your way. And you see in the beginning of this chapter, in Acts chapter 27, we can read where the Bible says that the south wind began to blow softly. In other words, everything was calm. But I had an old seaman to tell me one time, he said, Preacher, you can never trust a south wind. Because it seems like when the wind blows so uh, uh, softly from the south, uh, it seems like that there may be trouble always on the other side. There's always a storm uh, that's following a south wind. But these seamen may not have been so smart. And they said, everything's normal. Everything looks great. Uh, There's a south wind blowing. Let's set sail. Folks, you can never trust a south wind. And just in our lives, uh, uh, when we think everything is sailing along just fine, all of a sudden a storm comes uh, and interrupts the life in which you're living. This particular storm uh, had a name, uh, that name being uh, Eurocliden. You know, here in America, we name storms just about to this time of the year on a weekly basis. And, and as they store, uh, form out in the Atlantic or out in the Caribbean, they'll name those particular storms. This particular storm had a name, Eurocliden, which means a strong storm with boisterous winds and boisterous waves. It started out in calm weather, but when they started thinking that everything's going to be all right, the storm hit. Just like our lives, you're going along and everything's going well, everything is a bed of roses, then all of a sudden a storm hits. You get an email bringing you bad news. The doctor comes in and gives you bad news. All of a sudden your children are in trouble, you get bad news. Folks, if you've never been in a storm, you will be. And if you're in the midst of the storm today, may I convince you that help's on the way. Not if the storm comes, it's but when the storm You see, we can uh, enjoy uh, beautiful weather and we can enjoy uh, 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 the seasonal temperatures outside uh, as we leave the house of God today. But I can assure you every day that we walk outside, it's not going to be a beautiful sunny bluebird day. Uh, There's going to be some storms that come uh, in our weather uh, world, if you will. But I promise you today, even if you're a child of God or if you're lost and undone without Jesus, there will be a storm in your life one way or or the other that comes storming through uh, and it will batter your ship. I want you to understand the purpose of these storms. 
Usually it's sent to where uh, we'll look toward the one that can get us out of the storm. You see, when we get our eyes off God, that's when we begin to sink in the storm. That's when uh, uh, Peter, as he was walking upon the water, as, as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he didn't matter how hard, how hard the waves were crashing in against his legs and his feet. As long as he was keeping his eyes on Christ, he was okay. But when Peter dropped his head and looked at the storm around him, got his eyes off Jesus Christ, uh, trouble came. Uh, Peter began to sink uh, and he looked up and cried out for God and God helped him and pulled him up out of the storm. Folks, you may be in one of the worst storms of your life today, but there is only one that can reach down into the storm of your life and pull you out and put you on a solid rock, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. He can help us through all of our storms. There's a purpose in that storm. At times we, we get our, our mind off of what it needs to be on. It needs to be on Jesus this morning. So many times the, the Lord will allow a storm to come into our own lives. But He does it to where we can trust Him and to where, secondly, it will direct our path. Even though I may get hurt through a storm, even though I may be beaten and I may be broken and I can be and I may be battered, but I look after the storm now and say, "Thank you, Lord Jesus. You didn't leave me out in the storm. You didn't leave me out in the cold. You didn't leave me out in the weather. You didn't leave me out in the boisterous winds. You was there to comfort me the entire time I was in the midst of my storm. I just took my eyes off of you, but Lord, I got them back on you now, and I just want to." in you until I get to reach that heavenly shore. And folks, some of you that are here today are a whole lot nearer the shore than I may be. And then again, I may be nearer the shore than you are. We don't know. It's appointed unto man once to die. And then comes the judgment. I want to thank Him for being with me in the midst of my storms. Amen. If I didn't have the storms in my life, I wouldn't know where I was going wrong. And if I didn't have the storms in my life, uh, I, I, I may be going in the wrong direction. The main purpose of any storm, I believe today, is for us to glorify God no matter what we're going through. Hey, listen, when we're going through the toughest times of our life, it's not time to throw up your hands and say, I quit. It's time to bow on your knees before God and ask Him to help you and take care of you to where He can get you through the storm. And then when it's all said and done, you can stand and praise the God of heaven that you love and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing me through the worst valley of storms that I've ever been in. And folks, when you can do that, you're giving glory to God no matter what you're going through. But also look at the presence during the storm. Paul was there with those men on the ship and said, Boys, don't worry about anything. <laughs> he said, Because there stood by me in the night the presence of God with me to tell me none of us are going to die. We're all going to make it safely to the other side. 
Isn't it wonderful to know that when you're in the right in the middle of your storm, when you're right in the middle of your cancer treatment, when you're right in the middle of the death of a loved one, when you're right in the middle of a car accident, whatever you may be going through in the storms of your life, that the Lord Jesus Christ can come and stand beside you and His sweet presence just wraps His loving arms around you. Folks, I'm here to tell you, it may hurt for a little bit, it may hurt for a little while, but I'm right here and I want to serve God faithfully through the midst of the storms, through the beginning of the storms, and through the end of the storms. I believe I'll just trust the one that saved my soul and washed my sins away. And my friend, I believe I'll just trust in Him. Amen. He is the one that's the pilot of my ship. He's the one that's guiding this thing. Amen. Oh boy, if I tried to take the helm preacher, if I try to take it and guide it myself, I'll end up shipwrecked somewhere without any direction at all. But if I can trust in the almighty hand of God to direct my path, folks, it's going to take me into a shore of heaven. And when I get off the boat, I'll see the very one that died for me, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that shed every drop of blood in His body for you and I to where we could be saved. I feel His presence during the storm. I don't give many personal testimonies when I preach. I give some. I I don't give a whole lot. I I use a lot of illustrations, but a lot of times they're not my own. But I can give you a personal testimony today of a spiritual Eurocliding that I was in. Just a few weeks ago. And my wife will know what I'm talking about. I was discouraged, Brian. I was probably, to be honest with you, sitting on a pity pot when I shouldn't have been. I was low, man. I was low. Felt like I was in the midst of a Category 5 hurricane. And I was looking for direction out of the storm. I went into the bedroom. My wife was in there. and She was doing something around the dresser. And she, I came in and, and, and she seen that I was concerned. And I guess she seen me going through my storm. And she said, what's wrong? I said, well, honey, it's like this. I said, I feel like sometimes you pour your heart into people's lives. You pour your heart into the ministries of others and into their, into their uh, trying to help them with their spiritual walk with Christ. And a lot of times it seems like It's for no use at all. And Damon, I was sitting on my pity pot uh, uh, with a frown on my face. And I told her, I said, what's the use? I said, we'll prepare the message God gives us. We'll preach the message that God gives us. What's the use of even going through with it anymore? I said, look, we have, we, I basically said this and I paid for it ever since. I said, we have spent 12 years in the ministry. You see, 
This is when the devil slides in. My wife had been sick. I had been sick. Coming off of a great revival. And I was just spiritually in a storm. I was in a mess. Y'all, I was in a mess. I looked at my wife. I said, there's 12 years that I could have been working with a company. There's 12 years where I could have built up retirement. There's 12 years where I could have uh, 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 built up a, a good nest egg for you and I to live. Uh, there's 12 years to where we could take family vacations on our own. Uh, and we could go out and have good times with the kids. Uh, I said, I feel like I wasted 12 years. She looked at me. And she said this. But look at the souls. The devil had to run. He had to flee. She said, look at the souls. And about all this time that was going on and and, and and I was just having a, a, a spiritual shipwreck, if you will. Not as I was backslid on God. I was just having a tough time. I was just in a storm and the devil began to play tricks with my mind. And I called Brother David Fowler and I, I, I was angry and I was, I was unloading on him. It wasn't toward him personally. It was just about some things. And, and boy, I began to unload on him. And he said, that's all right, preacher. Everybody needs to vent. And, and boy, I had to call him back the next day and apologize and say, David, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. He said, Hey man, that ain't no problem. Why are you apologizing to me for? We all get angry. We we can get angry. The Bible says just to sin not. I said, yeah, but you don't understand. God spoke to my heart and said, when's the last time you got angry over somebody dying and going to hell? That's what we ought to be angry with today. Huh? Thank God for my wife that looked at me and said, what about the souls? that have been saved in the ministry those over 70 that one year that were saved that were written on that old rugged cross hey listen I'm going to tell you if you're the preacher if you're a deacon or if you're an evangelist you've got a bigger target on your back for the devil than does the man sitting in the pew I was in my pity party my wife told me that doesn't make me feel bad the Lord done with me And then it just like the sweet presence of the Holy Ghost of God swept up under my arms and picked me up. And this is the words that He spoke to my heart. Son, you're too near the shore to turn back now. Oh, my wife loves that song. I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. I may be in a storm every once in a while, but I'll just continue to go with the presence of God. He'll help me through those storms. Uh, I don't want to be a quitter, and I don't want to be one that's going to turn my back on God. Uh, I want to serve Him faithfully, and I want Him to be right there with me. And I know He will, for He said, I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. He promised us that during the storm. He said there in the Scripture, some on boards, uh, some on broken pieces, but you're all going to make it. Uh, You might as well face it we're going to go through storms Uh, those storms may be tough uh, but the key is we're
we're going through the storms. That means we're coming out on the other side. Amen. I tell you what, folks, I had a lady to call me one time. She was just all upset. Uh, she was just uh, pouring her heart out to this preacher. And she said, Lord, have mercy, preacher. I'm going through this. Woo-hoo-hoo. She just cried, screaming out. I'm going through this. I don't understand it. I'm going through this. And I said, praise God. And she said, but I'm going through this, preacher. I said, praise the Lord, sister. She said, but you don't understand, preacher. I'm going through all these storms. I said, listen to yourself, honey. You said you're going through. That means God's going to be with you when you get on the other side. You're going to come through the storm and you're going to be better off than you were before you went in. Hallelujah. We're going to have storms as we near the shore. But as we near the shore, we're going to face some sicknesses. The Bible says that their ship had became broken under the weight of the waves. And I guarantee you, folks, you live there long enough, you're going to face some sickness. Man, I had some things happen to me within a year that I never did think would happen. Kidney stones. Torn, shredded Achilles tendons. I mean, you know, I had just had some things that went wrong that I didn't figure I'd, I'd need to be on the, on the list for. But guess what? It happens. Paul listed some of his sicknesses over in the book of Corinthians. He, he, he listed sicknesses and he talked about deaths and he talked about being stoned and he talked about his pains and, and being out cold and naked and, and having the stripes and being shipwrecked three times. And on top of all this, he had the cares of the church on top of it. Paul even asked the Lord to remove that, stone, that uh, thorn in his flesh. Paul said, Lord... There's a thorn in my flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me. And many debate of what the thorn was. I believe it would have been many sicknesses that Paul probably had to endure. But that word buffet means, when he said Satan to buffet me, that word buffet means to hit in the face with your fist. Every time he turned around, old Paul turned around, it was like Satan was t- punching him in the face. Every time he turned around, he was getting hit with this. He was getting hit with that. I hear people occasionally, if God loves me, why do I have cancer? I've heard people say, if God loves me, uh, uh, why do I have to have a liver failure? If God loves me, why won't my baby get better? If God loves me, why do I have a lung disease? Brother, now if God loves you, why do you have to have that blood about every three or four weeks? You know, you, do, you can't help but to ask the question, if God loves me, why do I have to go through this? Paul said, Lord, please remove it. He even asked God three times. Basically, the Lord said, No, Paul, I won't remove it. But my equation is different than yours. I will add something to your sickness as you near the shore. He said, I'll add you more grace. You see, he wouldn't remove the thorn from the flesh of Paul. 
But as he neared the shore, Brother Joe, he gave him more grace to handle the sickness that was coming upon him. So, Ernell, as you get closer to the shore, you may have to have blood every three weeks from now on to God calls you home. But the truth of the matter is this. The closer you get to the shore, the more grace you're going to get. <laughs> the closer we get to the heavenly shore of heaven, the more grace that God's going to send us in that time of need. He said, I'm not taking it away, Paul, but I'm going to add more grace to where you can make it to the other side. I know this preacher, he's got a diabetic pump and he has it on his side and it pumps insulin through his body. He's had it for the majority of his life. And he kept praying and he kept praying. God, would you please remove this from me? He said, well, maybe I just need to test my faith. And he turned the pump off, took the pump away and he thought that he was going to be okay. And boy, guess what? He got sick. He got awful sick. And, he, and finally he had to put the pump back on and basically he just told he just, he just made up in his mind and God had spoke to his heart and said, you know what? The Lord's told me he ain't going to take it away. God give us some common sense too. Huh? He gave us some common sense too. He said, but you know what? He said, preacher, I've never been in the hospital with not one diabetic related incident because of my diabetes. God has given me grace with this pump to make it through. It may be a thorn in my flesh, but God has given me the grace to make it through. God may not take away the sickness, but as you get closer to the shore, He'll give you more grace. Number three, and we'll close. They made it safe. Acts 27 and 44, and the rest, some on board, some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. It was strange to me that the word escape was used here in this text. And I began to study that word out. That word escape is a Greek word. That means to save thoroughly. To cure. To preserve. To rescue. To bring safe. To heal. To make perfectly whole. To save. Isn't that, isn't that what God's going to do? When we make it to the shore. Huh? Isn't that what He's going to do? We're going to escape some things. Amen. There's going to be some things uh, escaped uh, when we reach uh, uh, that other shore. When we make it safely to land. Folks, they made it safely to land. They became whole when they reached the shore. When we reached our heavenly shore, when we get to our heavenly shore, we're going to be made whole. There's going to be no more sickness. Thank God. There's not going to be no more storms. There's not going to be no more walking canes and wheelchairs. When we get into that city, it's going to be a place of perfection. The thing is, you've got to make sure you're ready to go. Paul probably spent more time at sea than on land, studies have said. But in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6, Paul says, For I'm now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. What's Paul saying? He said, I've boarded the ship to go home, and I'm ready to depart 
on the other side. Barry, remember when we took the cruise to Mexico? It was a good vacation. And if you'll remember, Tina, if you'll remember back, they gave us specific instructions on how to debark the ship or, or leave the ship. We were on the ship. But I'm talking about the debark information, the way you get off the ship. Now remember, we're nearing the shore. We're ready to get off. First of all, the instruction said you got to wait for the captain to call you. You see where I'm headed? I'm on a ship of life. It's nearing the shore. But I can't get off the ship until the captain calls me. It's appointed unto man once to die. And when your number's called, he'll call you off of your ship and we'll step on to God's heavenly shore if you're saved today. If you're lost and he calls your number, hell's going to be your home. We had to wait for the captain to call and we had to get in particular zones, A, B, C, D, E. I don't remember which one we were. But we had to wait on the captain to say, Zone B, you can get off the ship. Other people that done gotten off the ship before us, we might have been a letter M or N or zone M or something like that, and others had done got off the ship. Folks, I'm telling you, there's some of you that will get off the ship before others. To get off that ship, you had to have the call of the captain. But number two, they gave you a form you had to fill out that was called a, a declaration form. In other words, what are you bringing from the foreign country? What are you bringing with you? And one of the rules was uh, there was absolutely no flesh uh, to come from a foreign country into our country. Doesn't the Bible say flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom of God? They made it plain. You can't bring any type of beef or, 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 or any, any type of bird or anything, any type of flesh, whether dead or alive, into the country from the foreign country. We didn't have anything to declare, so we didn't really have to fill out anything. But actually, just think about going to your spiritual custom agent. Uh, the, the, the captain has done called your number. And you're waiting there and that spiritual custom agent's waiting at the gate of heaven. And what if he just looks at you and says, Do you have anything to declare? And you'll say, Yeah, I got these glasses. I need to declare because they help me see. And the custom agent says, I'm sorry. Uh, them glasses not allowed here. Oh, you're going to be able to see perfect once you walk through these pearly gates. And then they may say, hey, uh, do you have anything to declare? Uh, say, yeah, I've got, the, I've got some crowns in my mouth. Uh, uh, that, you know what a crown is, don't you? It's basically a fake tooth here and there. And uh, they'll say, you got anything to declare? Say, yeah, i got a crown here and there. Or you may say, i got a set of false teeth I need to declare. It's a foreign object. It's a foreign substance. Uh, and, the, and that heavenly custom agent looks at you and says, well, don't worry about bringing them in here. You're not going to need them things in here. And some of you may 
say, hey, hey, what do you got to declare? You may say, I got an oxygen tank to declare, and I'm going to need to bring this in. And the customs agent's going to say, no, I don't need any. You don't need an oxygen tank or where you're headed. You can leave it at the door. Amen. He said, hey, oh, well, what do you have to declare? I've got an old wheelchair. I've got a cane. I've got, listen, whatever it is, you declare it at the door, and God will have His agent to tell you, you that's not welcomed here. That's foreign matter. That's a foreign substance. Everything's perfect in my land. You won't need the wheelchair. You won't need the crutches. You won't need the canes. Amen. Oh, I got that a diabetic pump. I need to bring it in with me. No, that's not allowed into this country. Amen. The last thing we had to have before we would get off of that ship, we had to have proof of citizenship. Nowadays, if you leave this country, you have to have a passport. Back then, several years ago when we went, all you needed was your driver's license and your birth certificate. And we would go and we would walk through. Brother Dustin, we would walk through and I'd have to show them my license and I'd have to show them my Social Security card and they'd say, Thank you, Mr. Black. Welcome home. And then they'd look at my wife and they'd say, Thank you, Mrs. Black. Welcome home. And they'd look at Barry and they'd say, Welcome, Mr. Carroll. Welcome home. And then we'd step back onto the shore. And we were home. You see, you've got to have some identification before you can get off the boat. Before you can get into that heavenly shore, uh, there's going to have to be a proof of citizenship. Uh, and there, hey, listen, God is not looking for what your mama or dad has done. Uh, he's not looking for what you've done in your past. Uh, he's looking for one thing. Uh, he's looking for the precious blood of His Son, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, that covered and took away all of your sins. Uh, and when you stand before that agent, uh, and when you stand before the Lord Jesus, uh, we won't have to go in on somebody else's merit because Jesus Christ the Christ of Calvary had already paid the price for you and I to be saved and His blood was shed just one drop the song said would cleanse me from all unrighteousness thank God that's where I'm going to a city whose builder and maker is God there'll be no question when I stand before the God of heaven and He looks at me and says well done thy good and faithful servant you've been faithful over a few things I'll make you ruler over many. Enter into the joys of your Lord. You better make sure you've got proof of citizenship this morning. I want you to stand. Whether we realize it or not, we're nearing the shore. We're nearing the shore. Oh, but preacher, you don't understand. I'm 20 years old. I got my life in front of me, do you? Go ask that 16-year-old laying in the graveyard if they had their life in front of them. Oh, but you don't understand, preacher. I've got everything in front of me. My life's bright. My future's bright. It's all, is it? It might be bright with the flames of hell. You better listen. You better listen to this preacher this morning. Listen. Do you have your proof of citizenship?
we're going to look out on our boat one day. Sounding. Twenty fathoms. Sounding. Fifteen fathoms. Sounding. Five fathoms. We're getting close. Time to get off the boat. Get on the heaven's shore. Boy, when we stand there before the Lord Jesus Christ, what is He going to see in your life? What's He going to see in your life? The only chance we have to make heaven a day, my friend, is through the shed blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. No other way. You can't talk your way in. You can't buy your way in. You can't work your way in. You got to go by the cross. Well, preacher, I know I'm on the ship of life, but my ship is in a storm and I need help. You ought to get down to an old-fashioned altar of prayer and ask God to help you through that storm and He will. For whatever reason, God allows us to go through these storms to get our attention and say, Hey! Get your life back in order. He'll send the storm. It'll bring you to your knees. But He can put you on a solid rock to stand. If you're here and you're lost and undone without God, you don't know Him as your personal Savior, you may say, Preacher, how may I be saved? It's as simple as asking the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your heart, forgiving you of your sins, writing your name down in heaven. Simple as ABC. Accept that you are a sinner. Accept that He is the Savior. Believe that you are a sinner and that He can save you. And see, confess your sins before Him. He can save the vilest of sinners. Well, preacher, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been tangled up in. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've been tangled in. The Heavenly Father sent His Son to die for you. Bible still says in John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That means He died for each and every one of you and for me. Where do you stand? Father, Lord, we've delivered the message You've placed upon our hearts. Lord, I pray that You will convict the heart of any sinner that may be here lost and undone. Lord, they may have been saved. They've backslid on you, God. Lord, I hope and pray that you convict in their heart when they come home. Lord, I know you can work miracles in the lives of people and forgive them of their sins, Lord, and I pray that you would do that this morning. Lord, we'll surely love you, give you glory, praise and honor God. For what you do. Lord in Jesus name we do humbly pray. Amen. And amen. As they play a song of invitation. Why don't you come. You may be going through a storm of life. That you didn't think you'd ever be upon you. And you need help. You may be saying preacher I'm going through the storm. I need help. Call out to God. Would you do it today?
Would you have the courage just to step out and say, Lord, I need your help. I'm in the worst storm of my life. Maybe you need to bow before God and say, Lord, I'm nothing. I need your help. Part of your story. I need help. Oh, listen, God will help you today.